0: Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter number 17, Acts chapter 17, I am just excited this morning to look at just six verses of Scripture, my math was off in the nine o'clock service, I said five verses of Scripture, but I realized 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 is actually six verses, I know that's terrible, but I um, that's what you have to work with this morning. And I apologize, having that extra hour of sleep didn't help me, so it took two services to get that. But let's read, I'll read out loud, you follow along, Acts chapter 17, verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who, coming thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed. Also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few, but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for us to come to him with all speed. They departed. If you underline in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline verse number 11. That's where we're going to focus a lot of our time this morning. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Notice because this next phrase in verse number 12 is where we get our title for the message this morning. What was the result of them receiving the word with all readiness of mind and searching the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so? It says in the very next phrase, therefore, many of them believed. I want us to spend the next few minutes thinking about this idea of becoming a believer. Becoming a believer. Belief means a lot of different things to different people. Some people think, well, belief means I just know about something. But I would argue with you this morning... Not in a mean-spirited way, but I think you're wrong if you think belief is just knowing about something. Belief is not just knowing something exists, it's actually trusting in that existence so much so it would change how you think, it would change what you do, it would change your priorities. Real belief, the book of James tells us, faith without works is dead, being alone. So, belief is not just words, it's not just knowing about something, it actually should change how we live. Now, this past week, if you're an Astros fan, was a sad week. We struggled in the whole World Series to put the bat on the ball. But I will tell you if you became an Astros fan this week or you especially stopped being an Astros fan this week, then we would all argue that you are not a true believer. You are not a true fan of the Astros if them losing the World Series would stop you from cheering for them. You know, when I grew up here in Houston in the 80s and 90s, the Astros were terrible. We were terrible. Every year we were terrible. And it was just every every year we'd lose again. We had no... Real prospects of even going to the playoffs, it seemed, most years. But I still cheered for the Astros. Why? Because they're my team. It's where I grew up. It's, it's who I love. It's who I cheer for. And if you cheer for a different team, that's fine. But you understand what it means to believe in something when it comes to a sports team. I wonder if we understand that when it comes to our relationship with God. Here in Berea, these people believed, but they believed for a very specific reason, and their belief was demonstrated in the way that they conducted themselves. Now, we're going to get more into that in a moment. I want you to go back with me, though, to notice how Paul came into the city of Berea in the first place. We've been walking through the book of Acts step by step, and so if you're just joining us, understand Paul is on a missionary journey. He has a team. Silas is with him. Timothy's with him. At this point, Luke has now joined up with him. And they're traveling from city to city, place to place, taking the gospel. And God often used persecution to move them from one point to the next. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like difficulty. I don't like hard things. I like my life to be easy. I would love to wake up every day and just eat breakfast in bed. And just not to get out of bed at all. Have somebody just make the bed around me and I could just lay there and be comfortable all day, get up when I want, go work up when I want, go do whatever I want whenever I want. That's what our flesh wants. That's natural for all of us. But that's not real life. In fact, Jesus said, In this world, you shall have persecution. Paul and Silas experienced and others that walked with them, they experienced regular persecution as they went from place to place. It had just taken place in Thessalonica. They were preaching. They were serving. They were ministering. They were loving these believers who were trusting in Christ. And then the unbelievers started stirring up the city against Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so... They had to sneak out by night. We noticed that back in our text in verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. I want you to know there's a difficulty in doing right. Doing right is not easy. There may be moments where doing right is easy. But in my limited experience, I know all 38 and almost a half years of it, I've found that generally doing the right thing is the hardest thing initially. But in time, you're really glad that you did the right thing. Often doing the wrong thing feels like the easy decision initially. But later on, you come back and say, what was I thinking? This is much harder. Isn't it interesting how this world, the, the flesh, the devil tend to make doing the right thing look like the hard thing and even feel like the right thing? And often it is. The hard thing to do is the right thing to do. Not always true, but it seems to hold pretty true in many situations. And Paul and Silas were no strangers to the difficulty of doing the right thing. I mean, put yourself in their shoes for a minute. You've left your home. You're traveling around the world. This was not comfortable travel, by the way. They weren't going first class. They were... Maybe in mule class, right? Or foot class. They were, they were low class. They were just walking from place to place. Everywhere they got to, they experienced persecution. I mean, on this second missionary journey, we haven't been to a place yet with Paul and Silas that they weren't persecuted, and that wasn't the motivation to move them on to the next place. Honestly, to study the life of Paul and Silas, you would say, why would you ever want to serve God? It's just hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It doesn't sound like something that people would choose to do for themselves. But I want you to understand, Paul and Silas weren't doing this just because they chose it for themselves. They were living in obedience to the mandate, to the command that God had placed upon their lives. He had given them, as He has given to us, the great commission to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, to observe all things. And again, you step by, okay, God told me to do it, but why should I do it? Well, Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what God has done for you, He's shown great love to you. We ought to love Him in return. And true love is not conditional love. True love loves the other person in sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer. If I only loved Shandy, when we, if she had a lot of money or if I had a lot of money, then we wouldn't be in love very much. If I only loved her when she was healthy and strong, then you'd say, you don't really love her. Then I would ask you this morning, do we really love Jesus? Or do we only love Him when it's easy? Do we only love Him when it's comfortable for me? Do we only love Him when He makes all of my wishes come true? What about when it's difficult? What about when it's hard? See, true love loves in both places, loves in both ways, because true love is willing to do right no matter what comes Paul and Silas, they went to the next place. Even in the face of persecution, they had to sneak out by night. They showed great character in their walk with the Lord. Somebody said, The strength of your character can be measured by what it takes to stop you. And I wonder for you today, what would it take to keep you from following God? The sad thing is, in our world, for many people, it's not much. It's not much. Paul and Silas were faithful. They continued on. As they left Thessalonica, we see the concern of the other believers in Thessalonica as they helped them to get out by night. The Christians in Thessalonica were concerned for Paul's safety. They were concerned that he'd get to the next place, and I'm thankful for Christians that love and look out for one another. Notice they sent him out at night when he was less likely to be seen, when other people wouldn't know what was going on. Now we understand that ultimately it's God who is our protector, even in dangerous situations, and nothing takes place that God is not aware of or does not allow to happen. You say, How do you know that? Well, it doesn't always feel like that, I understand. But let me point you to a couple other scriptures. We understand from the book of Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He has said, I will never leave thee. Now, how many people have said to some other person, I'll never leave you, and then left them. Sometimes the way we view God is because of how we've been treated by other people. God isn't like people. God is perfect. He's holy. He always keeps His promises. And when God says to you, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, He actually means it. And then the verse continues on in verse number 6, so that we may boldly say with great confidence, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, it's fun to work with helpers at our house. I have lots of helpers with every project that I'm doing, and I love it. It's it's how I'm teaching my children to do things at our house. In fact, we have a tradition at our house each year as we get towards the month of December, and I have other little boys come and help my boys as we like to put up some lights on our house. It's become a little bit of a tradition. And a couple years ago, we had even some extra boys there helping. And the moms were somewhere else. My wife was gone. The other moms were somewhere else. I don't remember where everybody was. And I said, it'll be fine. I've got lots of help. Well, as I was setting up the ladder on the house and moving things around, some of the boys were running around, different things were going on. And I had to very quickly move the ladder from one place to the other. And I got this big extension ladder and it's up there in the air. And I'm all by myself, maneuvering it around, probably not the wisest thing to do. And one of the boys did something, and so I had to put the ladder down quickly, and as it came down, it pinched my fingers so hard, and I got one of those you know, big black bruises under my thumbnails. very uncomfortable, for a long time, I think my nail even fell off. You know what I'm talking about. You say, well, you had help, but it wasn't that good. <laughs> Sometimes the helpers in this life are not as helpful as we'd like them to be. But when the Lord says he's your helper, what an encouragement that is. Sometimes we view helpers as those who kind of come behind, those who are weaker than us, those who are less capable than we are. Yeah, they're helping us, but it's really us doing the work. My friend, in the Christian life, it's not you doing it. It's Christ who does it through you. He's our helper. It almost makes it sound like we're actually really doing something. Well, we can do nothing without Him. I'm so thankful today that the Lord is my helper. And because of that fact, I'm not afraid of what man shall do unto me. Our world is full of fear right now. Fear over so many different things. My friend, don't be afraid. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Lord is your helper. We also understand God's work here, even in difficult circumstances, when we look at the life of Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible tells us that Satan came before the Lord. And he said, Doth Job fear God? For not hast thou not made an hedge about him and his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. Of course Job's going to follow you. You've made it easy for him. And Satan said, But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in Thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. I want to remind you this morning that even if you're going through something really hard, really difficult, it's because God has still allowed it. You say, well, Satan's doing horrible things. It's only as long as God allows him to do it. And God is still with you. And he's still your helper. You don't have to be afraid. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We see the concern of the believers for Paul and Silas as they sneak him out by night. We see the difficulty of doing right. But I want you to notice as well the plan of God in all of this. Because from the human standpoint, Paul was just being sent away from for his own safety. Remember Jason and the other believers in Thessalonica had paid the fine for Paul. They had promised to help protect him. And so from a human standpoint, it was like, Get Paul out where he'll be safer. But from God's standpoint, he was sending Paul on to the next town to preach the gospel. We can't always see things from God's perspective. You see something difficult in your life. You see some struggle that's taking place, some hurt, some pain, some frustration. Say, what could God be doing? God knows exactly what He's doing. And God will use the good things, the bad things, to all work together for His good, for your good and for His glory, because God is in charge of the situation. Your disappointments are God's divine appointments. You may say, well, this didn't work out like I expected to. Guess what? It worked out exactly like God knew it would. I don't like my situation that I find myself in. Again, I think of this missionary journey. Imagine the testimonies Paul and Silas could have told coming back from the first missionary journey. If our church goes on a mission trip, people come back from serving the Lord someplace else. We've done this when we did relief work and hurricane work and sharing the gospel in other places. We'll often get up and share a testimony of what God did. Can you imagine if we got up? Well, every time we tried to share the gospel, people got mad at us. They threw us in prison. They beat us up. Yeah, this black eye, that's where it came. from. No, we wouldn't. I, I can imagine. Can you imagine next year? Sign up if you want to go on the mission trip. No, I'm not going on the mission trip. I mean, can you imagine their, their testimony DVD video that they put together? Come and join us on the missionary journey. Get beat up for free. Spend many nights in jail. It's going to be awesome. that wasn't their focus was it it was look what God did in the Philippian jailer's life while I was in prison look at how God transformed Lydia's life look at what God did as they went from place to place to place see from a human perspective serving God may seem difficult may seem hard may may not even seem worth it but from God's perspective God's moving you to the next place the next time moment by moment day by day right where he wants you to be. Be faithful even in the difficulties of doing right. Joseph, back in the Old Testament, he experienced this. His brothers hated him, sold him into slavery. He ended up working in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, and then when Joseph refused to fall to her, she lied about him, and he ended up in prison for over 10 years. But God was moving Joseph. First, he ended up in a pit thrown there by his brothers. Then he went to prison, put there by Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. But he went from there to the palace. And in the palace, as Joseph was overseeing all the work to take care of the food so that the nation of Egypt and other people around, including his own family, wouldn't starve during an enormous famine that came about, Joseph made this statement in Genesis 50, verse 20, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Well, that sure brings into focus that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Yes, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So you're saying that God can use cancer for His good? Last Sunday, we got to hear from a preacher who said, I'm thankful that I got cancer. Can God use difficulty for good? He absolutely can. And He always does. It's not like, well, sort of sometimes it might be good. No, when God does it, it's always good because God is always good. We may not see it. Paul and Silas might not have even seen it at this moment. but They were faithful to the Lord. There's the story of William Carey. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a missionary to India in the late 1700s. Sent from England. He, he went to India and he spent the next 40 years of his life. He never left India again. He died while in India. And part of his work was translating the Bible into the native languages. And he translated it into 12 different Indian languages, dialects that were used there. He spent 20 years doing this. And as he was working through it, one day after 20 years, the warehouse where they had all their printing materials and all of the manuscripts, it caught fire and the whole thing burned down. I mean, his life's work was gone. Now, he could have gotten discouraged. He could have quit. He could have gone home. I mean, they had nothing. He he couldn't go back to a backup somewhere. They didn't have another copy to pull out. Literally, it all burned up. They had to start over again from scratch. He wrote a letter. William Carey wrote a letter to his pastor friend Andrew Murray. Some of you may have read some of his books that he has written who was a pastor back in England, and he wrote to him and he said, the ground must be labored over again, but we are not discouraged. We have all been supported under the affliction and preserved from discouragement. To me, the consideration of the divine sovereignty and wisdom has been very supporting. I endeavored to improve this our affliction this last Lord's Day from Psalm 46.10. You know what that psalm says? Be still and know that I am God. God used that scripture to encourage William Carey. And William Carey in turn used that scripture to encourage the little group of believers that was there in India after 20 years. He said, I principally dwelt upon two ideas that God has a sovereign right to dispose of us as He pleases. If He's God, then let Him be God. And secondly, how we ought to acquiesce in all that God does with us and to us. When God allows something in your life, don't get angry. Don't shake your fist in God's face. Be still and know that He is God. And nothing will ever change that truth. The difficulty... Of doing right. Now, when Paul got to Berea, we see what did he do at the end of verse ten. Who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Paul had a tenacious routine. He always did the same thing. He went to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. He wrote about that in Romans chapter one and verse sixteen. It didn't matter if Paul was tired from his journey. I'm sure he was. It didn't matter in the previous city when he went from Philippi to Thessalonica that he'd been beaten and imprisoned. He still preached the gospel. He was consistent. He was faithful, even in the face of great difficulty. Much of success in life and in any ministry endeavor is simply continuing on when others quit. You notice that? Who are the people often that are the most valued relationships in your life. It's the people that are with you when no one else is. It's the people that stay with you over a long period of time. That's why relationships don't happen in a hurry. Yes, you can make promises in a hurry. Yes, you can get together and meet people in a hurry, but you can't build a strong relationship in a hurry. It takes time. Relationships are built Over time, Paul was faithful to continue on his ministry. But when he got to Berea, notice what he did as he preached in the synagogue of the Jews. This is when we see described to us how noble, wonderful these people were in Berea. Verse number 11 says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and they search the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so I want you to see the basics of their belief here remember we started out talking about what belief is it's not just saying something its action it's its priority it's living life differently because of what I believe we see these people here, their belief is built because, first of all, they received the word of God. This word to receive in the Greek is, has an emphatic usage to it that demonstrates how important it was to them to receive, to hear it, and it was to benefit themselves. You know, there's different kinds of receiving. Like I could say, boy, this is really good. I hope, I hope Brother Joe's getting this. Well, that's not receiving it for me. That's me trying to receive it for him. Doesn't work. You've noticed that, right? Because you could be sitting there and God's just working in your heart, and you look at the guy over there and say, "Well, I wish, I wish he would hear this." Everybody has to receive for themselves. When you come to church, you can't be dependent on someone else receiving the truth for you. You have to come to receive the truth for you. When you open your Bible to read it and study it for yourself, you can't just take what someone else has received. You've got to receive it for yourself. That's the importance of reading and studying God's Word for yourself. Some people think, well, if I just sort of hang around it, I'll I'll pick up on it from time to time. Hey, children, teenagers, it's easy to think, well, I just grew up in church. I was around it my whole life. Yes, you might know the right language. Yes, you might know how to look the look and talk the talk. And, but if you've not spent time receiving it yourself in your own mind, really actively leaning in and listening, saying, what is God trying to teach me today? I would say this challenge is so important, especially if you've been a believer a long time. I know and I've seen it in our church. Many who have come to Christ even over the last few months have such a hunger for the Word of God. They want to read it. They want to study it. They want to get together with others. People even coming up to me this week, people are just new in our church saying, Pastor, I'm learning so much. I'm growing so much. Why? Because they're ready to receive the truth, ready to receive the Word of God. But the danger is, over time, it just becomes old habits it just becomes noise if we don't continue to lean in and listen it'd be like if at my house i stopped really paying attention when shandy was trying to tell me something and just assuming i already know what she's going to say hey honey can you Uh, yeah i know what she. i know i know i'll do it i'll do it that wouldn't be a very good relationship would it i need to listen what does she have to say to me this time how many times do we do that to the Word of God? Oh, yeah, I know that verse. I, I know what he's going to say. Yeah, Heard that one before. Oh, yep, turn into that passage. I know what going to be preached on today. I'm already doing that in my life. So I, th- this one's not for me. I hope they hear it over there. But this one's not for me. I got that one. Listen, if it's the Word of God, then every time it's open, God has something for you. Amen. And it doesn't even mean the preacher has to be that good. Because God's Word is amazing. Sometimes it's easy. I know. There are days I'm probably better than other days. There are days I have more energy than other days. There's days when maybe I stumble around more than other days. But I sure am thankful if we'll just open the Word of God and read it and study it and learn it. If we'll receive what God has for us, we can learn and grow Part of the reason they believed was because they were willing to receive the truth. And the Bible says here they were more noble. Why were they more noble? Well, that word literally means what you think it does, that they were better than the people in Thessalonica. This was not the believers in Thessalonica. These were the unbelievers. You say, you mean God saying some people are better than others? He's saying the way they behaved was better than the people in Thessalonica. Why was their behavior better? because they were willing to listen and receive the truth. Just like if you had two children in your class. You wouldn't say one kid's better than the other, but you might say one definitely behaved better than the other because they were listening, ready to learn, and to hear what was told from the Word of God. They received the Word of God. They did it. They were more noble because of this. And then the next word that's used to describe this, it says, with all readiness... Of mine. This indicates zeal or spirit or an inclination, an eagerness to hear. The idea is they were ready and eager to hear the word as it was taught to them. Hey kids, how do you respond when you hear God's word? I know it's a challenge sometimes. Oh, that was hard. I didn't understand. Hey, come and ask a question. Write it down in your notes. Hey, this didn't make any sense what pastor said. I love to just after the service and sometimes I'll do it with some of you. Hey, did that make sense? Was that clear? Do you have any questions? Can I help you understand that better? Because if it's just words going past your ears and it's not getting in and sticking and hanging on and helping you, it's not doing you any good. Hey, teenager, how do you respond to the truth? I know you're smart. I know you've memorized the Bible for classes and the wanna clubs on Wednesday nights. But are you letting the truth impact your life? Are you receiving it with readiness of mind, with an eagerness in your mind to say, "What does God have for me today?" Hey, adults. How do you respond to the truth? Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa how do we respond with readiness? And then notice what they did next. Not only did they receive it with readiness of mind, it says, and they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. There was a regular searching and digging out of comparing Scripture with Scripture, of taking the truth that Paul and Silas were teaching them in the synagogue and saying, okay, now let's compare it to the Word of God. Clearly, God's Word was their ultimate authority. So many times, though, we read the Bible and say, well, I'm going to go find something more interesting. Let me just read what somebody else has said. Listen, learn to study your Bible. That's something I want to help our church continue to grow in. In fact, we were talking about it this past week. In this next year, we're developing another step in our Disciple making pathway to help people not only understand the basics like we've been doing through our continue book, but then we're working on another set of books calling them Advance, helping us to continue to grow in personal Bible study. The statistics are alarming out there. It's something like 95% of Christians, and these are the ones that admit to it, never read their Bible on a weekly basis. Others who do, it's two minutes, five minutes. Here or there I know we're busy I know there's a lot going on but if we are not searching the scriptures and really saying, okay let me check what I just heard in the message let me go back and review that let me check my notes let me look up those other passages and make sure I'm really understanding this perhaps that's why our faith is weak because we're not being regularly reminded of the truth you see, faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10 says, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus commanded us to do this in John five thirty nine. He said, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. You want to know Jesus? Get in his word. I, I can't tell you the people I run into and talk to. Even good, well-meaning people. Oh, I love Jesus. But They couldn't even tell you where the book of John was in their Bible. How do you know Jesus if you've never spent time reading his word? I know you have a nice feeling about Jesus. I know that you might think nice thoughts about Jesus. but You might think really nice thoughts about me and you might not know me at all. How do you get to know somebody? You talk to them. You spend time with them. You ask them questions. You say, okay, you said this one time, but now I'm trying to understand this. How does this work together? That's what we ought to be doing with the Lord. Hey, as you're coming with readiness of mind, can I just give you, at the risk of somebody think, oh, he's picking on me. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But if you're going to come even to church with readiness of mind, can I encourage you to be faithful to church? Like if I was reading somewhere the other day, Barna Research Group that does a lot of church research says the average Christian in an evangelical church in America today thinks if they're there two times a month, they're faithful. My friend, I know you're busy and things come up, but are we really coming with readiness of mind if we don't even come? If during the service, hey, little tip for you and your kids, use the restroom before church. It's distracting to you and to everybody else if you have to get up. I know if you have to, you have to, okay? That's okay. That's what they're there for. I'm not going to pick on anybody. I just want to encourage you. Think ahead. Come with readiness of mind. Say, hey, I'm about to be sitting there for about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. Maybe I need to... Hey, you do that before you go on a car trip, I hope. (laughs) Some of you maybe don't. I don't know. (laughs) Dad, I got to go. We just left five minutes ago. But for some, that's how it is at church, isn't it? I mean, service started 10 minutes ago. Everybody's making their way to the back. Listen, just plan ahead. Think ahead. Come with readiness of mind. Come with your Bible. Come with something to write with. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't waste your time. If, if you're going to come and spend an hour or two here on a Sunday morning, don't waste it. Get as much as you can from it. If you're going to spend time daily reading your Bible at home, do it with a notepad next to you or something on your phone where you can make notes of something that you read. Keep a highlighter, a pen handy, underline something, highlight it. Learn something from it. Just because you walk around with a Bible in your hand or a Bible app on your phone doesn't make you spiritual. Let's have readiness of mind. To hear the word and to search the word. Now, I want to bring it back to our text here because even in doing all of these wonderful things, we see in verse 12, therefore, many of them believed. Many believed. And this was a real belief, it was a belief that changed their life, changed their action, their attitudes. It says, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. It's interesting in the book of Acts how it seems like a lot of times it's the ladies who believe first. The men, well, not a few. You know, some of them, and more here than in in, uh, Philippi believed. Ladies, I'm so thankful for so many of you who have such an evident walk with the Lord. Sometimes as men, you show us up. God's called us to be leaders in our homes and to lovingly point our families towards Jesus. Men, don't don't let your wife take the lead. If you've got a godly wife who's leading in her walk with the Lord, praise God for that. But don't just hang back and expect her to be the one to pull you along spiritually. That's not what God designed, that's not how God designed it to be. I think it's a beautiful thing when you see a couple where husband and wife are walking with the Lord together. No, they're not fighting with each other over who's in charge. He's not, get behind me, I'm leading you. No, it's not anything like that. It's just faithfully encouraging one another. Because you know what? There are days when I wake up and I feel less spiritual, or I'm just struggling with something, and Shandy encourages me and says, hey, be all right. And there are other days. She's not feeling as good. And I can say, hey, honey, it's okay. let's pray about this. Let's work through this. You can encourage one another in that. But may we lead our families to the Lord. As they were faithful in this, many were believing. But it says in verse 13, But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. ever read these things and think didn't these Jews have anything better to do with their time they lived the, the distance between Thessalonica and Berea is about 45 miles away that's a long way especially when you don't have a car I mean where are we talking from here 45 miles away if you're going north that's past Conroe that you're getting, am I wrong? That's getting close to Huntsville, right? Maybe not quite that far, but it's a long way. I don't go up there for anything, and I have a car. These guys, they just hear the word of God being preached, they don't like it, they load up. Listen, there's animosity towards the truth. This is the third point in your note the adversaries of truth. Sometimes it almost doesn't even make sense how adversarial people are towards the truth. You go, I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm trying to help you, I'm just trying to share Christ with you. I don't like that at all. Don't do that here. Say, man, can't you find something better to do with your time? Listen, don't be surprised. This world, your flesh, the devil, they hate the truth. I like what Ephesians 6 reminds us when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't be surprised when you face adversaries. There were those who heard about the preaching of the word. I think this is an interesting thing to point out because there are those who hear the truth and reject it and do whatever they can to stand against it but keep on sharing the truth. Where would Paul have been had Stephen not been sharing the truth? Paul rejected it that time, but he received it later. How many of you received the truth the first time you heard it? How many of you maybe rejected it quite a few times? So they heard it, they rejected it, and then they worked to hinder the preaching of the word. We don't know exactly what these Jewish leaders were doing, but it seems as if they were sending people from town to town trying to determine where Paul was so that they could work against him. Hey, isn't it amazing how there are people in this world who are true believers when it comes to wickedness, even more so than many Christians are true believers about their own faith? You see, we wonder why the different agendas get pushed so hard. Like We had the group here from Love Life this week that's working to stand for life for unborn babies in our community. And we're looking forward to working more closely with them. Why do people hate what they're doing? And many will fight even harder against them than even some Christians will fight in favor to help them to try to share the truth. I've I've really come to the place in my life where I I just believe everybody is a true believer in something. The question is not whether or not you're a true believer, it's what are you a true believer in. And the way you'll know is by your actions. These people stirred up people against Paul. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 18, if the world hated you, you know that it hated me. Before it hated you. Don't be surprised. Now, again, here we are. Six short verses. Paul at Berea, and now he's already having to get on to the next place. And Paul, from a human perspective, this doesn't seem like very successful ministry. Just off to the next place. Everybody wants to kill Paul wherever he goes. What's wrong? Nothing. God's just working out His plan. From a human perspective, Paul had to leave behind the people there and go on to the next place. But from a heavenly perspective, there was another church planted that didn't exist before. God was moving Paul on to Athens. And if you come next Sunday, you'll hear an amazing message that Paul preached standing at the top of, or on the side, or wherever he was there on Mars Hill, surrounded by all those altars for all those false gods. Remember the one that was made to the unknown God? Paul said, let me tell you about him. And what happened in Athens, really the pinnacle of education and philosophy and debate at that point in history, and God put Paul right in the center of all that. And he preached the gospel, and even there people trusted in Jesus Christ. One of them, he was known as an Areopagite, which meant that he was somebody who just spent his whole life worshiping all those false gods right there on Mars Hill. And even he trusted Christ. And a pagan idol worshiper. God saves all kinds of people. And it's incredible. When you look around the room this morning, you know God saves all kinds of people. You may not know everybody's story in here. I don't know everybody's story in here, but God does. And God's brought a whole bunch of different people here from a whole bunch of different places because that's what God does. Because God is at work in this world to change people's lives through the power of the gospel. Christian, He hasn't put you out here to do it on your own. The Lord's your helper. But if you're going to be a true believer in Christ a true follower of Christ as Jesus Christ said in in the book of Luke if you're not willing to forsake all then you can't be my disciple he said if you won't sit down and count the cost and understand it's going to cost something to follow Jesus you can't be my disciple he compares it even to a military leader a king who sit, before he goes off to war he sits down and says okay do i actually have enough soldiers to win the battle. If not, let me try something else. You see, we have everything that we need in Christ. But understand, it will cost you something to follow Him. Believe. Well, for the Astros fans, we're going to have to wait till next year. And our team might do great things or they might let us down. That's what baseball teams do. And isn't it interesting that even with something as simple as a baseball team, next year people still show up? Because they went to the World Series this year, they'll probably try to charge even more for the tickets next year. I was at the store the other day looking at t-shirts. 40 bucks for a t-shirt? There's some true believers in the Astros. <laughs> I'm not a true enough believer to spend 40 bucks on a t-shirt. <laughs> I buy the cheap ones off Amazon for like $8 and wear those. And if we do it for the astros, how much more should we be willing to do it for our Lord? I mean, the astros might let us down, Jesus will never let you down. Astros will do wrong sometimes. Jesus never did anybody wrong. Astros have never given you anything more than a good time. Jesus died on the cross for your sin to give you eternal life you're here this morning and you've never trusted him. I want to invite you today. Call to him. Confess your sin. Trust in him. He will forgive you. He'll save you. And if you know Jesus Christ, let's walk with him. Let's search the scriptures. Let's receive him with readiness of mind that we could be faithful believers that no matter what comes in this world, I know what the truth is. Yeah, this world's trying to give you all the counterfeits, all the counterfeit Jesus is out there, all the false teachers out there, all the truth that maybe I'm not sure what it is. Hey, God's given us everything we need right here. Let's dig it out. Let's search it out. And let's live it out for Him. I said this Wednesday night after our busy conference and people from out of town here. So, you know, conferences, I enjoy them. It's fun. You get a lot of different people together. You get to have a lot of talk, and we ate great. Larry's barbecue was off the charts, again, as it always is. Sister Teresa with her tacos, man, those were incredible. We just, we had such a great time. But you know what? The ministry is just day by day, moment by moment. Living for Christ is everyday living. It's when you get up tomorrow to go to work and it'll be daylight when you wake up and then when you're about to get off work it'll be pitch black outside cuz that crazy time change and you'll drive home in the Houston traffic in the dark and you'll feel grumpy about it and you need to say lord you did this for a reason so i'm going to trust in you you're going to have some news happen tomorrow perhaps that you weren't expecting What are you going to do with it? I would encourage you to go search the scriptures and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow or even the rest of today. But we do know who's in charge of it all. Some of you are going to have some really great joys this week. Some of you are going to have some deep sorrow this week. It's just how the days go. But the Lord's our helper. You don't have to be afraid. What man shall do unto you? Question for us as we close. Are you walking with him? Are you walking with the Lord? Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? Don't let this hour and a half of sitting here this morning be your only encounter with Jesus this week. He'll go with you you can read his word you can pray through his spirit he's interceding for you at the right hand of the throne of grace right now and as we close this service we're going to have a time of prayer we call it an invitation it's just a time to invite you to say okay lord whatever it is god's been speaking to your heart about say all right god i'll, I'll do that now you make a commitment with your mouth but then you got to go out of here and live it with your life two different things, but it's a step. So this morning, if whatever God's spoken to your heart about, I would ask you to take that step of obedience, of confessing whatever it is to God that you need to confess to Him and trusting Him. Let's bow our heads right now. Lord, help us to follow You in obedience. I'm thankful for the example of those in Berea who were more noble because they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scripture daily to see whether those things were so Lord may we be like those believers true believers who receive your word who obey your word and continue to grow in you grow with you step by step to be more like Jesus every day Father, if there's somebody here today that you've been working on their heart, probably for a period of time in their life, showing them their need of a Savior, I pray that they would trust in you. Lord, many have come today with their own burdens, some that none of the rest of us may know about, but you can see the heart, the need, the struggle. I pray that today they would give that to you. That we could help them to search the Scripture, to find the truth, that will encourage them as they go from here to live for You. Lord, we pray that You would bring us back to this place in an even closer relationship with You than when we leave today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano's going to play. If God's spoken to your heart this morning. God's challenged you about something. Don't chalk it up to the skill or the lack thereof of the preacher. Just... Acknowledge what God is doing. Ask Him to help you. Follow Jesus. Don't turn back. In Jesus' name.